Fucking hell, that's a bit shit, ya dog. Welcome, Mere Modelites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Models podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books I'm reading to give you the juicy information that is within to extract some themes you might not have thought about and to also know about what you can and can't say, what you should and shouldn't say. Indeed, we do have Swearing is Good for You by Emma Bine or Burn, with the subtitle The Amazing Science of Bad Language. So this book was published in 2017. It's about 200 pages in length. Took me about four hours to get through in total. Not super, super long. It's a popular science book detailing the positive aspects of profanity, of swearing. So really putting a positive spin and highlight of of it. So it tackles this from multiple angles and it's kind of got the feeling of the five W's and one H, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, But it's mostly looking at the science. So using case studies and observational data There are some bits and pieces of actual numbers, statistics, and graphs in here, but it really is more of the uh, anecdotes, I suppose, taken from uh, scientific studies, uh, mixed in with her attempts at humor and a lot of swearing that is within. It's kind of like a Malcolm Gladwell style, if I had to compare it to something. John Ronson was also like that. And some of the titles or subtitles or chapters that we have in here are Fuck That Hurts, Pain and Swearing, or Disciplinary Offense, Swearing in the Workplace, Scheiße, Murder, Kachau, Swearing in Other Languages. So it goes over quite a few different themes. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Emma Byrne. Her, she's a UK researcher. I couldn't actually find a lot about her. She's not really that well known as an author. I do believe she's written one or two other books. And she's a scientist in various fields. So a lot of the things that are presented within here are actually her own research. So it's things that she has dived into and knows a a fair bit about. Uh, And she also has uh, kind of PhD, that type of level in robotics, AI. So she's she's a smart cookie. She kind of knows what she's talking about. I'm going to jump on to, I suppose, the main, the one and only theme of this, which is swearing, taboo or not taboo? That is the question. So a little play on the Shakespeare there. So let's jump into it. What is it? And it's relatively hard to pin down, funnily enough. So you kind of think, ah, swearing, we all roughly know what it is, but it actually serves quite a few different purposes. And, you know, it can be a vehicle for aggression or insult, can be used for fighting words, can be used to uh, bond with people, it can be used for emphasis, it can be something just slips out. You know, there's many different things that come from it. Uh, She says from here that the two common definitions that appear over and over again, swear words are A, words people use when they are highly emotional, and B, words that refer to something taboo. So this is that kind of taboo aspect. It's something that you kind of shouldn't talk about or it's you have to be careful and uh, we can see some of the things that come along with this. Uh, she also has another, another definition here from the Professor Magnus Le Jung of the University of Stockholm. And he has studied lots of things. And he says um, what they had in common were the use of taboo words like fuck and shit, uh, which aren't used literally, which are fairly formulaic and which are emotive. Swearing sends a signal about the speaker's state of mind. So what we can kind of break this down as well into is propositional and non-propositional swearing. So propositional swearing is more where it's used deliberately in a deliberate sense. I use it to emphasize a certain point, fucking hell, or like, wow, that's just fucking bullshit. And it adds a bit to the sentence. You can get more of the speaker's state of mind or of what they're trying to convey 
with this uh, additional information contained within. And then there's the non-propositional. So this is what happens when you kick your toe against a wall or something painful happens to you. It, it just comes out and we see how this can come out in different ways. And uh, if, you, if you usually do it in your first language rather than a second or third language that you've learned. So it's kind of deeply wired into the brain. It's got these aspects to it. And then the actual swear words themselves, you can break this up into many, many categories. I was looking this up uh, in the book. I believe she, she lists four, which are religious. So, you know, hell, damnation, um, taking the Lord names in, uh, Lord's name in vain, copulatory. So this is related to sexual functions um, such as fucking or shitting, uh, fucking in particular, <laughs> uh, excrement. So this is shit or things related to piss and things like that. And then slurs, which are usually related to animal references or bad comparisons. And I won't really repeat any of them. So we, we have the, the what of swearing, who? Well, it seems to be everyone, <laughs> everyone in all languages. And funnily enough, even chimps. So uh, they were trying to, there were some studies of chimpanzees and basically they, chimpanzees, uh, chimpanzees can't really speak the way we do. They don't have the vocal cords. So attempts at getting them to speak human uh, language was was uh, impossible. So they taught them sign language and they can actually learn a fair bit of sign language, a couple of hundred words, something like that. And one of the words was dirty or roughly in the chimp's mind would be something like dirty or shit. And funnily enough, they the chimpanzees actually started using this as a in the way that we would use swearing. So for humor and also as insults and things like this. So we can kind of see, okay, even chimpanzees, uh, our you know closest cousins also have this ability to swear, even if it is in a very modified form. Uh, who else? Well, males typically swear more than females, although this has been changing over time. Uh, and we also use it differently. For males, it's usually a lot harsher. We use more stronger swear words uh, than females, but there's quite a, a bit of information contained within about that. The when, well, I've already kind of covered, you know, for pain and for emphasis, uh, but it, it seems to occur across history as well. Swear words have been with us for a very, very long time. Uh, she even insinuates in one portion that she believes that language could not have evolved and humans could not have evolved without swearing. I think that's a little bit too far for me and she doesn't really present a, a full thesis around it. It's just right at the start of a chapter she says that, but we can kind of see, okay, well, swearing is is not a new phenomenon. It has been around uh, for a while. The where, well, we tend to do it basically in all places as well, but we see it in specific instances such as the workplace where it's a, a very much a bonding mechanism. Just a little side note here, but I worked in the mining industry uh, here in, in Queensland for a fair while. And I noticed that my three years of spending in that environment, which was male dominated and was was kind of cloistered as well. We worked on a mine, so we were very much within our own little bubble for much portions of the week. My swearing just went through the roof and I, it's kind of you know, part of it was bonding. If everyone else is swearing around you, you kind of swear with them. Uh, part of it is just, you know, for emphasis for all of these different things. So we can kind of see, you know, the where it can change based on circumstance as well. So if you're in a courtroom, you're not going to swear as much. If you're in 
a, an environment like I was in where there's, it's, you know, a machismo male dominated thing, there's going to be a lot more. Uh, if it's a male, female one, you know, if you're a boss or if you're a subordinate, it, it all can change a lot, but there are numerous instances of lots of people who do swear and, and also some who don't swear as much. But even in those cases, uh, we can kind of see there is some deep seated stuff in the brain, which, um, which does, uh, affect this. And this is getting onto the, the why and the how, and the why is basically all the things I listed above. Uh, but the how is kind of, it is deep wired into our brains. And there's some really interesting sections of this book where it talks about how brain damage can change the way that a person will swear. So for example, if you get damage to the right side of your brain, uh, which is the more emotional emotive side, um, what can happen is if your left side of the brain is basically doing all the work, this is more the analytical, the more uh, thinking and logical side. This is where funnily enough, you can find people who will start to swear more because they're trying to use that as a as an emotive vehicle because it is such a uh, an emotive thing to be swearing indicates a lot about what someone's state of mind is if they're angry they're probably going to be swearing more uh and so this can actually trigger something in the brain to start using those words as a vehicle for emotion and then on the uh, opposite side of things if you have people with a brain damage in the left side this is where the right side the more emotive side of the brain is is taking over all functions and swearing actually comes out a lot more because it you know swearing is related to this emotion so basically if you get brain damage you're going to swear <laughs> no so it's it, it, it she provided some examples of this and I'll, I'll touch a bit more about why I think these examples also weren't super helpful in, in many cases. I want to jump onto this section here as well, which was page 70, 71, and probably one of the most easiest examples we can see of just how deep rooted swearing is in the brain is uh, for people with Tourette syndrome. So this is those who uh, just let out fucking shit and they, they usually have a tick or something as well associated with it. And there's a whole section in the book talking about Tourette's and why they tend to, you know, why don't they use the word plane as their tick? And why is it this um, taboo word that comes out? And uh, so I'm just going to jump on to here. And she says, like all swearing, the use of bad language in TS, so Tourette syndrome, is extremely culturally specific. According to Professor Jay, in Japanese culture, rather than swearing, TS sufferers are more likely to feel compelled to hurl insults such as lecherous, stupid, or ugly. In other languages, patients tend to use commands like shut up, kaift in Danish, or shut up, uh, stupid, tasi, kretinasio in Italian, while in German, TS patients tend to use vivid non-swearing taboos like rotten bones, verfalter knopfen. So the embarrassing outbursts experienced by TS sufferers aren't confined to swearing, and they can also use things like insults or ex-lovers names. So we see, okay, there is something not just about the swearing, but it's this idea of taboo, which is so closely linked to swearing because that's why we use these words. We use them because they have a shock and a horror um, aspect to it, which is really funny because they can change so dramatically over time and things that were once massive insults or something extremely taboo uh probably you know 300 years ago is the taboo or around religion was a lot lot stronger than it is now and so 
things like Jesus Christ or, or damn are, are relatively moderate. They're minor swears in comparison to um, things which are more copulatory. So in this case, it would be something like cunt. Although here in Australia, that itself is, <laughs> we use that one a lot. So yeah, it's it's uh, relatively funny. And, and we see in Australian culture, swearing is a lot different than you would find in, say, American culture, where the use of the word cunt is is very, very taboo. So that's the main section on theme on swearing. I'm going to jump to my own observations and takeaways. There certainly are some interesting tidbits that you'll find uh, within this book that also somewhat conflict as well. So there was a section here where it was swearing in the workplace and they were um, also examining what do people uh, perceive other people as who swear a lot. And what they find is that it's actually a, uh, one, if you swear, you tend to have a better language. If you have uh, more swearing and more use of it, that your language skills are actually better. You have a wider vocabulary, not just for swearing, but for for general, your uh, English or Spanish or whatever it is that uh, language that you're speaking in. And somewhat it's like a trusting thing. And if someone is swearing, you, you think they're more likely to be telling the truth, which is uh, pretty fascinating as well. But it's not just like, oh, okay, if I swear more, people will believe me more or anything like that. And so she was asking this lawyer about, okay, why would people not use swearing in a court case, for example, or um, to, to kind of hijack our systems and think, oh, this person's swearing, so they must be telling the truth. And he says, a lot of people who later come to be tried are quite grumpy at the point of arrest. It's always a matter of some amusement for a well-educated counsel to say, I put it to you, Fred Jones, that you said, you're a fucking cunt. In my experience, the police don't mind that being read out in court. In general, they think it works to the disadvantage of the defendant. Uh, and then she's like, uh, but are they right? Is this person um, actually, you know, is this actually true if someone is swearing in a case like this? Um, and he says uh, in, in kind of contrast to all of this, um, I certainly don't allow my clients to swear when giving evidence in court. Judges and magistrates have to live in the real world where words are used that they'd hope not to hear in their own living room. But a courtroom is an artificial environment. I advise my clients that, yes, it's an artificial environment, but they should respect it on its own terms. Wear trousers with a crease and a shirt and tie, for example. So he's definitely saying, yes, swearing is... Uh, it can have these effects on people, but it, it does need to be put in its own context as well. And so uh, just because it's like deep seated in the brain doesn't mean you can get a free pass or you can use it however you want and get outcomes that you would prefer because of that. No, it's it's uh, if you're in a courtroom environment, there are expectations related to swearing, much like there are expectations where you would maybe not swear in front of your mum. Or, you, but if you're in front of your friends, then you, maybe you would. Or what if it's a gathering where your friends and your mom are there? You know, it's these are the, the tricky things that are, are related to all of this. The book in itself, I would say, uh, and this is a criticism on my part, is it's not super nuanced. Um, and she's also lamenting a little bit. Um, we can see this when she's in particularly in the gender section, um, she being a woman and, and was, uh, she was somewhat lamenting the society we live in, which frowns more upon women um, swearing and it actually has negative connotations for them more than more so than it does for for men um, even though she likes to swear and there's just portions of this where it's like I don't know I'm 
for example, uh, in the title, she she mentioned that uh, there was some debate about whether they should put a swear word in the title. They ended up not doing that. And I can see for marketing reasons why you would maybe not do this, but <clears throat> it's also like, fucking hell, that's kind of weak source. Just <laughs> just put it put a swear word in the title, you know, just do something like that. And the last observation was there's this recurring theme of misconceptions and just human folly. Man, we've done some awful things like mistreating chimpanzees for scientific studies, keeping them locked in cages, separating them from their young, doing things like that, um, trying to protect women from swearing. And so, you know, over the course of history, there's been these times where it's the puritanical keep women away. Women shouldn't swear like a bad, uh, a woman who's swearing. And if she's going to a Shakespeare play and she's enjoying it there, uh, she's actually like a bad woman and things like this. And even just, you know, demonizing Tourette's and you can kind of understand why, because it's, it is very jarring for, to have someone just, you know, randomly saying words, which are taboo in front of you. So there, but in all of these cases, you're just, you're just looking and you're going like, damn, we screwed up. Like that was a, that was a, an unhelpful thing to, to happen. You know, it was unhelpful to, or maybe it was slightly helpful to recognize like, okay, chimpanzees can't do this particular thing, but man, did we really need to torture them for 20 years to find that out? Is that knowledge worth the, the ethical quandaries and things like this? So I don't know if some of the parts of this book were just, um, it was more of a highlighting and just going like, damn it, we screwed up again, like fucking hell humans. So in summary, this book was, it was kind of just about acceptable for me. I, I wouldn't say I really enjoyed it. Probably my main criticism is I really prefer the nuance, um, but this had what seemed to me was like an unnecessary agenda. Really seemed like she was pushing hard to be like, swearing is good. And maybe that was her environment growing up where swearing was this really bad thing and shouldn't be done could be because I'm Australian and you know in Australia we we do swear a lot and it is a lot more socially acceptable for basically anyone here to to swear um I'm not doubting the science and the observations that were in this but they somewhat felt shallow as well they they did have this feel of a Malcolm Gladwell book which it it touches the surface it's kind of interesting but you know I wouldn't I wouldn't put a whole if I was a betting man I wouldn't put a whole lot of weight on this being the be all and end all of, yeah, this proves definitively that swearing is good. Um, for example, she didn't talk about any of the negative aspects of it, which can, you know, social stigma and things like this. And, um, you know, perhaps getting, does it make you more violent? Does it do this? Does it do that? And there, there wasn't a whole lot of it. So it very felt much like it was positive only, pushed out like this. Um, and I would have really loved a version which was nuanced or which had, you know, a hundred different studies all related to one thing around culture or something. It felt, it felt a bit too broad for me. I, I would have loved a book just around the cultural aspects. How do we swear in different languages? Um, and there was a chapter on that, but you know, a whole book on that would have probably been great for me. So overall, I'm going to say um, this book here, Swearing is Good for You, The Amazing Science of Bad Language by Emma Byrne. It was a five and a half out of 10. It was okay. It was okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rant and rave uh, about it. And that is it for today, my mere mortal lads. Thank you for joining me to the end of this audio. What are your thoughts on swearing is good for you, on swearing in general, profanity, 
Emma Byrne, I would love to know all of these things. Do you swear a lot? Do you not swear a lot? The best way to do that is via sending in a Boostergram, which is one you can do within your podcasting app if you have a decent one. Uh, so this is where an app where you can actually send a message directly to me and uh, I'll, I'll be able to receive that and support the show at the same time with a micropayment of money. So uh, I would just recommend checking out an app like Podverse, Fountain, um, Castomatic. I put a lot of effort into the chapter images to transcripts and things like this, links going out um, to the various things I'm talking about. So uh, you will get a better experience on one of those audio apps as well. Um, and you can also do that via um, any of the links down below in the show notes or just reaching out to us on the meremortalspodcast.com uh, website where we have a lot of different things in there as well. So plenty of ways for, for you to help out the show. There is no advertising. There is nothing in this. So um, yeah, any support that you give back to us is very much appreciated. And I'm going to leave it there for today. I really do hope you have a fantastic day wherever you are in the fucking world. Ciao for now. Kyron out.